At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. You like the Just Baseball show and want to make your own? Let me tell you about Anchor. It's free. There's a creation tool that allows you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Now you can even add any song from Spotify directly to your episodes. The possibilities are endless for what you can create, whether it's music analysis, your own radio show, or something the world's never seen before. Anchor will distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and much more. You can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. So download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. It's a prospect Wednesday, and it's December 29th. Most importantly, Jack McMullen is back in the United States. Jack, how was your vacation? It was great. Um, You know, I I didn't want it to end. There were going to be pros and cons to a positive COVID test. Uh, Fortunately, I'm not positive for COVID, but you have to test to get back into the U.S. You have to present a negative test as you go through uh, security at the airport to get back into the States. So, um, yeah, I was there with my girlfriend and her family, and I was taking a nap on the day bed on the uh, on the balcony after we did a we did our COVID tests and my girlfriend's dad opens up the sliding door and says, Jack, I've got good news and bad news. What do you want first? And I said, you got to give me the bad news. I always choose the bad news. And he said, bad news is you can't stay in Cabo. So I said, all right, that that's fair. But uh, it was awesome. I had a Miami vice for the first time. You ever had that? No, no. I only know the, the heat jerseys. So those are sick heat jerseys. Apparently was a show also. Uh, Yeah, I guess. (laughs) A Miami Vice drink wise is half pina colada, half strawberry daiquiri. And you mix it together and you've got this pink frozen goodness. Ooh, it's funny because every time I tweeted at you while you were gone, I was like, put down the pina colada and answer this tweet. Yeah, it was only half a pina colada. A lot of Pacifico too. Pacifico, great brew. Yeah, so you have no idea what's been going on here. The baseball world's been going nuts. Uh, Peter and I have just talked about nothing for for the last week. And you yeah, I <laughs> I figure Christmas and a lockout is probably the best time to go off the grid for five days. You missed a lot. Minor league signings. Mark Leiter. She Mark Leiter sign. Uh-huh. I mean, we've got we've got guys going quickly, just heading straight to Korea. The, the Southern one, of course, but we've got people going to Korea. Now we're losing baseball players. The I think Southern one, of course. <laughs> I think we got Gregory Polanco going out there. 
Uh, who else? Uh, Ronnie Williams, triple A guy at the Giants. Uh, Dan Straley's looking to come back. Wow. But yeah, if you, are, if you guys went to the uh, NPB, so baseball's losing talent. They're losing talent. They lost yeah. Gregory Polanco. I don't know if they'll recover from that. I'm sorry. Because of the lockout. Can you can you classify the the signings in the KBO and the NPB as Major League Baseball losing talent? Talent felt like a weird word to use there. <laughs> Gregory Polanco, talent. Dan um, Straley, talent. You know, you guys played GM for the Minnesota Twins, and the premise of this of this show today is diving into the Minnesota Twins prospect, uh, just like their arsenal of guys that could come up. And I'm thinking, you know what? There's no better way to celebrate the holiday season right in between Christmas and New Year's than talk about the Minnesota Twins. Yeah. Yeah, and you know what? Speaking of holidays, the holiday cheer – that I got from Twins fans for just being optimistic. I, I vented already in the last episode a little bit, but the article has since blown up even more. And the amount, I mean, uh, tons of positive feedback, obviously, and, and mostly really, really nice people. And a lot of media personalities actually like in the local Minnesota people that shared it, which was really awesome. Cool. Uh, but, but we had just so many profile pictureless people that you could tell like middle-aged dudes that were just like, this guy has no idea what he's talking about. Warnick can't hit a curveball. Uh, Kirilov, he, he's not playing out there. Buxton, he can't rely on anything. I was like, look, all valid concerns. I'm just trying to say that there's some direction here, and I don't think it's been talked about enough. And, oh, we haven't paid for any pitching, which we're going to talk about because there's a lot of pitching prospects, though, in this system. I think they're going to punt 2022, and I think that's why a lot of people are upset. Uh, but 2023, there's some interesting arms in the pipeline. They're obviously going to have to go out and get some dudes. Uh, Jose Barrios wanting out was unfortunate. Uh, but, you know, I, I do think that this team has the nuts and bolts. And there's some interesting prospects uh, on the offensive side, too, that I'm excited to talk about, uh, especially because we had a teaser. We had an appetizer to the Austin Martin debate, and it's nice to know that you sit in the same boat as Peter on this one. So we're going to go a step further on the Austin Martin debate on this one, who, by the way, is the number one prospect. Yeah. Uh, and, and before we get into it, so before I forget, description, we have the top 10 prospect list for the Twins that was just published. You can check out the full write-ups there. Martin's number one. But where I detract is that he's a consensus top 25 prospect by everybody else's measure. But for me, maybe not even top 50. And that's where oh. I stand. Okay, so yeah, we're going to have a pretty open dialogue with that. Before we move on to the actual prospects, I, I do just want to get one thing off my chest in regards to the hate coming from some of the uh, faceless Twitter users in Twins country. It's not unique to the Twins. I think everybody's just pissed off right now. So in Division One men's college basketball tonight, on Tuesday, December 28th, I think there were, if, if counting was right, there were 29 scheduled games in division one men's college basketball 12 of them are being played so naturally covid's wiping everything out and i'm telling you covid just being inside being bored especially over the holiday season when you don't have to work it's pissing everybody off so you've got so many people just ratioing like each cancellation tweet right and just going at it with pure hate and i think you're just getting some of that residual hate and if it can't go to covid then it's got to go towards people being nice about the minnesota twins so yeah i think yeah, you're just wearing it God forbid someone's pumped about the twins, uh, but I'm wearing it. No, apparently I had some guys reach out to me and they're like, yeah, we've heard a lot. Like a lot of people have just been really down on the twins. A lot of people are just very upset about the twins right now. 
Uh, so sorry about that. Like the locked on twins guy, this guy, Nash Walker, awesome dude, just reaches out and goes, Good article, man. I'm sorry. People are just really upset about the twins right now. And I was like, ah, fair. <laughs> Why? I like what besides vastly underperforming in 2021, what have they done aside from that? Like, it's okay to have a bad year, you know, you, 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 you'd think so, but you know, this is a team that also hasn't won in the playoffs when they're good. And then now it looks like they're taking a step back and you're like, Oh, we're on the precipice and they haven't quite hit that point, but they've got a lot of prospects. And, right. They're also what I'm really thinking about. Yeah, they're also old and not sexy. So I get how that's not fun, but they're going to get new and vibrant. They're going to get young and vibrant very soon. Yeah, 100%. And like, you're a college guy. Trevor Larnick raked, right? Like, Larnick was a great college baseball player. I think he's going to put it together. Uh, and that's the important thing with this system too. Like, yes, it's not, it's not one of the better systems in baseball, but that's because Kirilov graduated, Larnick graduated, you know, they, they've had two guys there that were top 100 dudes that are now out of it. Ryan Jeffers, really good prospect that graduates as well behind the dish. They are not quite, you know, recovering from that. But I thought the Barrios trade obviously was a huge jolt, given that it gave them two of their top five prospects and their number one guy, which uh, is probably who we will start with. Right. I mean, Martin. I'll go with, with like kind of my take on him. He's still the number one prospect in the system. He's still a guy that, you know, is going to be a big leaker. And I know why you like him probably because he has a lot of similarities with John India. Uh, and, and I think that's part of the reason why you like him. He's also a four, like a three year college guy. And I know you love college guys. Um, so the thing with him though, is I know the college stats are great. Uh, I know that he, he can hit for average. He can get on base. He walks. But what is his ceiling? And this is what I talked about with Peter. We went back and forth on this. It, it's just what is his ceiling? Because, yes, this guy hits and gets on base, and that's very important. But when we're considering a top 50 prospect, I, I want to – especially top 25, he's got to be able to be an all-star. In, in what world is, is Austin Martin able to get to the all-star game unless he hits 330? <sighs> It's hard. You know, I, I think that he can get to the all-star game if he hits 300 with 20 bombs. You think you mean he can't hit 20 bombs? <laughs> I think he could. The, the isolated power is really low. It's, you know, it's, if you impressive, at, it's impressively low. It's one it's, of the lowest I've ever seen. It's, it's impressively low, but here's the thing that, that just brings me around on Austin Martin. This guy, you know, hit 10 homers at Vandy his sophomore year. You know, I, I'll always go back to this. And yes, I understand that they don't use wood bats in college You've baseball. That left I, field wall in Vanderbilt. Yeah, I'm, I'm aware. I'm aware. But I think that the power can get there when you just spend a couple more years in a big league weight room. I mean, think about it. This guy was drafted in 2020. He had one COVID stricken year in 2021, which, by the way, being inside minor league baseball in 2021, None of these guys had a normal routine. Life sucked for minor league baseball players in 2021. Promise as you a, that. As opposed to what? It always sucks. It always sucks. But then you also have to stick a swab up your nostril every other day. Like, mm -hmm. and you have to not go. Yeah, I mean, I understand not going out is a good thing for professional athletes, but you can't go out. You can't go see the town that you're in. Like life is just, it's you know, it was already low quality in minor league baseball. It was even lower quality in 2021. Well, you were forced to like bask in the low quality, right? Like you're sleeping on the couch. Now you're just chilling on the couch all day. Uh, right. if, if you're in a bad situation, like living wise, you're right. forced to just bathe in it. 
No. So like these players, you know, if they were in double A and they were sharing a, a, a room, like a one bedroom apartment with seven other guys and you're sleeping on a sleeping bag, you're getting up and you're just sitting on that sleeping bag until 10 a.m. And then you go lift weights and then you come back at 11 and you sit on that sleeping bag and then you go right back to the ballpark at two o'clock. Like it was you were either in your crappy apartment or you were at your ballpark. Yeah. No, it's, I, I, I totally get that. Right. So it's not a good life to lead, but, but Austin Martin, I understand that the power was not there. I understand that it looks like it might not come. I mean, his power is graded poorly compared to all of his other traits, he, but my thing with Austin Martin um, is like, even without the power, the WRC plus was great at both know, stops. That is, that is important. Right. And that's largely buoyed by the walks. And that's my thing, right? Like, okay, he does walk a ton. And, and I think that's something that's going to translate, right? He's always going to walk in an above average clip. But can you rely on just being passive and walking at that rate at the big league level? I, I think you can to a degree. But once MLB pitchers start to catch wind of that, it's like, oh, he just doesn't swing as much. Like, he, he just doesn't pull the trigger as much. Yes, he's good at spoiling tough pitches. But if I know that that – this guy can't burn me. If I know Austin Martin isn't going to leave the yard, I'm attacking him. I'm attacking him. And yet maybe that, that means that he can spray it all over. And maybe that means he's more, you know, he's going to pick up more hits. But the one thing that stood out to me talking to a couple of his former teammates is, you know, they said he's one of those guys that you have to watch day in and day out to really appreciate, right? Like he has instincts that you can't teach. He just is always in the right place at the right time. And I, and I definitely see that through everything I've watched. That's why he's a top 100 guy. If he didn't have those intangibles and the bat to ball skills, he's not sniffing the top 100. What what else is he does he excel at? Right? He's a, he's a slightly above average runner. He is positionless defensively. He's not playing shortstop. I I can assure you that he's not playing shortstop. He can't play third because that offensive profile doesn't really work. He's either going to play second or he's going to play center, and we don't even know if he can play center. So you're going to put him in corner outfield, doesn't have enough power for corner outfield. So this is potentially a second baseman. I, I don't think he needs to have a position. I think that we can get back to that. I think that we can get back to the utility Swiss Army Knife guy. Chris Taylor's showing that it's still possible to be an everyday guy and but play he's somewhere good else. at all those spots. Well, okay. If Chris Taylor is a B-level defender at all of those spots, B to B-plus, Austin Martin can be B-minus at all those spots. And you know what? B minus defense is not a terrible thing to hang your hat on. I mean, we see guys that are all-stars that are defensive liabilities. We're talking about guys on the hall of fame ballot who couldn't catch a fucking fly ball. I mean, right. I got a question for you. I got a question for you. And tell me if this is B minus. Well, first, how many errors do you think Austin Martin made in 42 games at shortstop this past year, this past year, 42 games at shortstop. I've been made 15. 16. Okay. You know what that's on pace for? In an 162 game season? Yep. Um, is that let's see, I gotta do quick math here. Is that 60? Just about. Yeah. But that number's skewed. What? 
it's a small sample size. Like it evens out. If he plays there, like you just get what? better defensively. Oh, he's just going to magically go 60 games of gold glove defense. No, 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 no. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying that that number, if he takes time to perfect his craft in the minors, yeah. he's not a 2022 guy. I think you and I can both agree on that. He's a 2023 guy. That here's, that's the problem. The bat is 20. I think the bat's ready. Like, yes, I want to see him hit for more power, but I mean, is that really going to change? Like maybe a little bit more time in the minor leagues, just trying to figure out when you're going to do damage more, like I guess. But like the hit tool, the pitch wreck, he chases as little as anybody in all of minor league baseball. It's super impressive. That's why he's a top 100 guy, but he's not a great athlete. He's, you know, we talk about the defense, the power. He slugged 382, Jack, 382. Okay. Okay, Who I'm going to put 382. Together, hold on. Let me put together a theoretical stat line for Austin Martin tell, and tell me if this is the number one prospect in the, t- in the twin system. He has the potential to walk more than he struck out. He did that pretty much every year at Vandy, and he's not far off there. So he's got the potential for an Alex Bregman type eye. He's got the potential for an Alex Bregman type hit tool. All fields 320. Obviously, nowhere near that in the power department. He might hit 15. So let's say he hits 320 with a 440 OBP because that's actually what he's capable of. 440? Dude, let me, let me just say that in his minor league career, in this 2021 season, he played 91 games, had a 270 batting average and a 414 OBP. That's an 144-point jump because he walks all the time. 440 would put him in, at second in Major League Baseball. I think he can do that. Like sandwich between is, Bryce Harper and Juan Soto. Dude, is the eye not that good? He comes in and immediately has a top three eye in baseball. Yeah, but the thing is, is people are just going to pitch to him. I'm so, also saying, here's the thing. I'm also saying this is a perfect world. I'm never saying that he's hitting 320 off the jump. I'm saying five years from now. Five years from now, I'm saying that Austin Martin has the potential to be 320, 440 among the league leaders in OBP, swipe 20 bags, hit 10 to 15 bombs, and be around 200 hits playing mediocre defense. Are you signing up for that to be a franchise centerpiece? I'm all, Yeah, and on the way, I'll sign up to win the lottery. No way. Like, I don't think that's crazy outlandish. You don't if everything goes out- right for him, you do you understand that that like that's forty points higher in the on base department than Vlad Guerrero Jr. or Freddie Freeman? I do because the eye is that good and the bat to ball is good and getting but a lot better. People want to pitch to him. Like I, I think people will go after him. He's gonna have to hit like three fifty. So so that's like my thing is there's so much pressure on the hit tool. There's so much pressure on the hit tool. He's gonna have to be hitting three fifteen, three twenty, three thirty to be a, a true valuable player, especially because you're not getting value on the defensive side, uh, even if he's average on the defensive side. Now you're it's all on the hit tool. I think he's going to hit, but 280, 350, 400. That's what I see. You're saying you're not getting value defensively. I think that there's value in versatility it's an interesting line to draw, right? At what point is it valuable that you're versatile if you suck at those spots? But I don't think he sucks. That's, that's where we disagree. I don't think he sucks defensively. You can't play short. Uh, that's, that's for sure. 
Okay, so rule it out. He'll play second, center, and left with some spot starts at third and in a pinch short. Yeah, I'd say that's valuable-ish. Like, yeah. It's valuable. That, that's fine, I, I guess, bro. I'll you do don't have to say money. ish. It's valuable. No, but dude, like, okay, if if he if we're going to do that with him, I'll do that with some other dudes that, like, are capable of doing that at, at, at mediocre rate. Like, That's fine. I think it hedges some of it, but, you know, he, he's going to have to play a majority of his game somewhere. Where is that going to be? Listen, that that mediocre versatility is the only reason that I'm still holding out to a little bit of hope on Vidal Brujan because he can kind of hit, can't hit for power, but he can play like second, short, third, left, and center. And I also don't like him. That's the funny part. I know, I know. So like the the way I view the way I view Austin Martin is a better Vidal Brujan with a better eye. Okay. Yeah. I mean, I mean the the pitch rack is unreal. The pitch it's rack is unreal. unreal. The ability to spoil tough pitches. I mean, the and you know what's really fascinating to me is that he turns on things. Like he can really turn on on velo inside. He crushes fastballs inside. So I'm like, okay, why is this not translating into power? Why is he below average in the exit velo department? Is there that much more physicality to add there? Like those are the questions. But yeah, I mean, when you look at the instincts, the offensive ability, the knowledge of the strike zone he's going to be a good table setter at the front of the lineup for the twins in the future. I, I, I agree with that. Okay. So you're giving me leadoff guy for the next seven years for Minnesota. Yeah. I mean, like he's, he's the number one prospect still for a reason. I, I just don't think he's a, he's an all-star. I think he's maybe making one or two all-star games when he's off to an insanely hot start in the first half. I really think that he's going to have to be borderline batting champion. Like you're going to need him to be Tim Anderson esque with, with the ability to hit for average and Tim Anderson has more power. So like, it's going to have to be something in that range. Okay. But I remember young Tim Anderson and Tim Anderson did not have that power when he was young. He was also terrible defensively when he was young. So if he progresses like Tim Anderson, I'm signing up for that if I'm Minnesota because I've seen Tim Anderson ravage me for five years now. Um, what I'll say about Austin Martin is you say you don't see the possible batting champ in him. I see the possible batting champ. No, I him. could see a possible batting champ. That That's the best case, though, for me is, is like the batting average, and that's it. I think that's a top 25 prospect. If you give me a batting champ, I think that's a top 25 prospect. Fair. Before we move on from Austin Martin, I do want to run through his 2021 16 games before COVID shut down that college baseball season. Austin Martin in those 16 games and 69 plate appearances had 10 walks. He struck out twice in 16 games and his slash was 377, 507, 660. That was a 1200 OPS in 16 games. He would have have had an all-time season that all-time, all-time, all-time season. The guy can hit like, and that's the thing I want to make be clear. Like, I, yeah, I'm pushing back, but I'm pushing back on whether he's a, an all-star or not. Right. Right. I mean, the guy right. can hit, he's going to be a good big leaguer. And, you know, I mean, a lot of people were saying the same thing about India, uh, which ironically I was, I was more supportive of India, uh, but just because I could see some more power there. So, I mean, look, he comes out and starts swinging it with a little bit more power. Things change. Uh, things definitely change. Uh, so, and- I mean, I'm not, I'm not, unreceptive to it but i'm i'm a little resistant because i I just i I don't like that much pressure on on getting on base but we'll we'll see regardless that's the number one prospect in the system and probably one of the safer bets in all of the minor leagues to be a 
decent big leaguer, which is incredibly valuable in itself. Yeah. I mean, he is one of the highest floor guys in minor league baseball. And this is going to feel very, this sounds very coach speak from me, but there's some value in him being a national champion. Same with Trevor Larnick. Like there's some value there in being a national champion and in dealing with the pressure before you get there. Yeah. I mean, like he, he knows, he knows how to play the game. Like in again, that's like cliche too, but he knows how to play the freaking game. And he, he, again, he's so instinctual when you have teammates saying that, you know, that, that, that really stands out to me. Uh, And some of the more prominent teammates telling me that, like, that's, that's something that, you know, you, you hear that and you respect that instantly. Everything I've heard about Austin Martin is gamer. Like this guy's got some balls. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. And and I like the firelit under him because he, he said himself, I should have been drafted earlier. Uh, So it it should be interesting. If he can add some power, it's it's a different story. Uh, But speaking of power, the number two guy, pitcher, but a big-time power pitcher, he's 6'5", 215 pounds, was kind of drafted out of, out of uh, Canada as more of a project. It's Jordan Belazovic. Uh, had a pretty good year in A. Very fascinating guy to me. A- and, Jack, I'll take you through his arsenal real quick because I think you'll find it kind of interesting. Fastball has a ton of, like, riding life to it, mid-90s up to 97. Then he has this really good power curveball. And you remember we were talking about Libertor and talking about some of these other guys when the low 70s, mid 70s curveball just doesn't play as well anymore. This is a low 80s power 12-6. That off of a fastball with rising life to it, that's that's pretty nasty. And then he's mixing in the changeup, which has some good arm side fade. And then he also has this little gyro cutter looking thing that he mixes in there that's nasty. Uh, so whenever you've got like, okay, he's got two plus pitches potentially, or at least close to it. And then you got two offerings that are vying to be like that average to above average third. I always like when a guy's got like two that he's experimenting with because you got more hope, more irons in the fire, right? Like one of those is going to emerge. Yeah. And I think both have a shot to emerge. He might, he might have four pitches, which again, I mean, that, that really helps a lot. You know who this guy kind of gives me, I don't want to say, I don't want to make this direct comp, but the way that he pitches is very similar, in my opinion, to the way that Logan Gilbert pitches. Is that fair? Yeah, yeah. I actually kind of like that. Right? Tall, righty, mid-90s fastball can snap off power stuff, also can, you know, dabble in some other things that look different. But that's a sturdy, yeah, fastball up. But that's a a sturdy 6'5". I've got this, and we'll we'll talk about Duran in a sec, but I I think it's Balazovic. I was looking at the MLB pronunciation guide before this Is it because Balazovic? I was like, yeah, I was like, I've watched video of this guy, but I've never heard his name pronounced. I think it's Balazovic, and it, the way that I watch Balazovic and the way that I watch Yoan Duran is kind of the same where I'm like, okay, you're a big dude. You got that power fastball. You got that power curveball. Let's let it eat. And I think that those guys can be really, really successful at the big league level. And that is kind of that new mold. I mean, who who were the big boys, you know, from the right side that we were talking about? Obviously, Clemens had that stuff in the 90s. But recently, if you look at power pitchers, I mean, especially right-handers, I guess it's Garrett Cole that you look at and say that's a big boy letting it ride from the right side with that rising fastball and that hard snapping curveball that's a really solid template to follow. And I'm not saying that these guys are going to be that, but I'm saying that Balazovic has power and power and a consistent delivery that can make him, I don't want to say frontline, but mid-level starter. 
I'm glad you mentioned the, the delivery because when we talk about Duran, you know, that's a guy that's had some arm issues. Th- this system is actually littered with guys with nasty stuff, some arm issues, and a lot of reliever risk. Balazovic is not that, right? Like, right. I think that guy is pretty safe. Yes, he still could make some strides with his command, but I think he's continuously done that already, uh, has continued – took a little bit of a step back when he got promoted to double a but like so does everybody uh i think that you look at the way he commands the fastball it's the classic thing right now where you got a guy with good arm side run and they try to go either in on lefties or away to righties and what happens when you got that arm side run a little bit it runs right back over the middle and that's why he was giving up some bombs that's really it. That's like the only real nitpicky thing aside from finding a feel for the third and fourth pitch. Uh, but what I really like is what you said about the delivery. I see that delivery and I don't see a ton of effort. I see a repeatable delivery and I see a guy that uh, should be able to eat innings in the middle of a rotation. He's probably not an ace, but he's going to be able to, to shoulder the load. And I think that's an important quality in a guy that you know probably won't be an ace. And when he's more of that number three guy, maybe a number two if, he, if he's able to take that third pitch to the next level. Uh, but a, a number three type innings eater that can rack up some Ks and, uh, you know, his big body, that uh, you can't have enough of those guys. You know what I love? I love big guy with a riding fastball having a career low in the minor leagues and fly ball rate. This past yep. year, he's yep. keeping it on the ground. 48% of batted balls are on the ground. He doesn't get hit hard that often. And when it does get hit hard, it's going right into the dirt for, you know, a shortstop to pick up like this guy. He, he's got feel and the walk numbers aren't great. The walk rate is right around 10%. He was at three and a half guys per nine innings, but that'll get better. We know that right. Command just gets better. And he's a project and he's six, five, the tall guys always take more time, but I really like the point you bring up because ironically you look at the swinging strike percentage by a region, highest swinging strike percentages in the upper third of the zone makes sense. Fastball with riding life. So he's getting whiffs up here, ground balls down here. That's a really safe combination. Uh, yeah. And that's something that, you know, only certain guys can do. And that gives him a really good baseline. And that's what I said in the write-up is that fastball alone just gives you a, a really good baseline because you can get ground balls, you can get swings and misses, and then work off of that. Uh, and that's why I like them. And, and to be honest, like the sum of all those numbers that we're talking about here, so the walk rate that we're talking about, also the whiff rate up in the zone and the ground ball rate low, that tells me that he's not going to give up very many home runs once he gets to the big leagues because he's getting the swings and misses up top. When he misses, he misses out of the zone. He doesn't miss in the heart of the zone. So those walks are coming when he's missing, looking for swings and misses up top or missing, looking for ground balls down low. As long as you're not missing down the heart of the plate with 95 and a sharp, brighting breaking ball, like you're set up for success. He didn't give up that many homers. And it's funny. I watched every homer he gave up. It was missing over the middle. Right? Like that's the only time he got burned and it wasn't that frequently. So yeah. it, that that's really it. It's just, it's just keeping that thing either outside or inside or up or down. Uh, and, and I think that's something he's going to get better and better at uh, this guy, dude, the next guy, number three. And this is on the flip side where I'm baffled that Jose Miranda is not a consensus top 100 prospect. I understand that he came a little bit out of nowhere, but I want to get your thoughts first on that. And then I'll give a little bit of his like backstory because he's not some random, you know, 
$50,000 international free agent, which those guys also turn out to be superstars too a lot of the time. But he's not just some random guy with, with no pedigree that was beating up on younger competition. This is a 23-year-old former second-round pick who figured it out in double and triple A. And I mean, the numbers are a joke. So Jose Miranda, the first time that I got keyed in on Jose Miranda was June 29th, I want to say late June. Um, And I think this game is going to ring a bell for you because I have a friend that I used to room with in college that lives in Minneapolis. Now he's from Minneapolis. He works for a, a video production company out in Minneapolis. And he said, uh, he, he he texted me that day. He said, taking a girl on a date to the St. Paul Saints game, kind of nervous. And I said, no, man, you're going to have a blast. And I texted him that night. I said, how was it? And the next morning he texted me and said, dude, baseball actually really good. This one guy hit three bombs in the same game. <laughs> and I was like, oh, damn, how did I miss this? And I found out that it was Jose Miranda. I was like, In oh, his that- debut. In his AAA debut. Yeah. And I was like, whoa, this is interesting. How did you stumble upon this game on a late June night? And I went diving into Jose Miranda. And this guy has power. He can hit it to all fields. Doesn't swing and miss that often. The WRC plus is nuts. Nuts. I mean, there's not much to not like here. Right. So why is he not a consensus top 100 guy? Because he just, he just burst back onto the scene. Okay. I agree. But we just got a full season sample size where you, you want the com- combined stats between double and triple. Yeah. Yeah. 344, 401, 572 slash line, 30 home runs, 62 extra base hits. A 12.5% K rate, 7% walk rate, 158 WRC plus. That might be the best season in all the minors. Like MJ Melendez probably with 41, but this could be right there. But the numbers in terms of keeping it consistent from double A AA to triple A, like it's not like he had this, obviously, yes, he had this out-of-body experience in double A, but it's not like he was unbelievably amazingly incredible in double a and then he was really good in triple a he kept that level of success from double to triple a so i'm going to run through each of the split stats double a going to come first triple a going to come second batting average 345 in double a 343 in triple a so identical obp 408 in double a 397 in triple a so nearly identical slugging that ticked down about 25 points 588 to 563 wolba 431 to 416 and then wrc plus 162 to 156 like there's no real drop off here so he got up he had that three homer game and then he never slumped he just kind of kept rolling with the good vibes that he had from double a and to get into the to the nitpicky stuff, or not even nitpicky, I guess more like the nitty gritty stuff of like why he was able to have this breakout. We always talk about like tangible adjustments. Few things that Miranda did. One, he had an insanely aggressive approach his first couple of years, 
And that was something that he toned down a little bit. He's still aggressive. And this happens with guys that have an unreal ability to just hit. They're like, oh, I can hit everything. I'm just going to swing at everything. And, and that's what he always did. He didn't strike out a lot, but he never walked. So now he was more focused on going after the pitches that he can hit. Uh, the swing rate went down a little bit, and he just was doing damage more on pitches that he knew he could do damage on. The bat-to-ball skills were always elite, and, and we're still seeing that. The other thing is he put on muscle and the time off, about 10 to 15 pounds. That's obviously going to help. The third thing was he got his lower half way more incorporated. He used to be a bit of a drifter at the plate, added a slight gathering leg kick that really helps him get into the back half. And dude, his swing, his swing is beautiful. Like it's so smooth through the zone. I'm not comparing him to this guy, but the way it just glides through the zone and from where he starts at and just the line drive oriented swing with easy carry reminds me a little bit of Pujols just the way he swings through and finishes. It's just the same smooth on. You don't see it a lot. Not a lot of guys can repeat the move, but the barrel just slide like slides right through the zone. feels like it lives in there and it's line drives that carry out of the yard. These aren't moonshots. And Albert Pujols will be the first to tell you he's a line drive hitter uh, that backspun baseballs out of there. And I see some similar stuff with Miranda. Yeah. I, I don't hate it. It's just really hard for me to hear that comp. It's not even a comp. It's just like swing characteristics. Yeah. It's hard for me to hear any comp to that swing. You know what I mean? Like when Bellinger came up and Bellinger was going crazy, everybody was like, oh, that swing is the prettiest from the left side I've seen since Griffey. And that makes you shudder because you're just like, oh God, like don't compare anybody to Ken Griffey Jr. Don't. Um, And and that's how I feel about. Yeah. I get that. I get that. It's just like this, this incredible ability to just stay through the zone and have a line drive oriented swing, but still backspin baseballs. It's just, it's just so hard to do. Okay. So, you know, who we've talked about, who's like that now that, you know, is not as disrespectful as Albert Pujols comp JD Martinez, same thing, yeah. right? Keeps the barrel through the zone line drives all the time. And then by the way, when he ever so slightly gets under one, it's out of the yard. Actually, JD is not a bad one either. JD is not a bad one either. Um, I'll send you some videos and, and, and you can tell me if it doesn't eke a little oh, bit of Pujols. Fine. A little bit. Fine. But fine. I, 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 here's the thing defensively, but you know who he really reminds me of profile wise, like actual comp to comp, like player to player comp? Ty France. That's what I think he could be. Like the, the, the hit tool, the power, the defensive limitation somewhat. He's not going to play third. He put, he made a majority of his starts at third. I, I watched enough. I the, the arm doesn't play. I, I was watching video and in one game, a team sack or bunted for a hit down the third baseline three times. And I was like, that kind of tells you enough. I think that kind of tells you how, how they feel about him at third. I thought he was fine at second base. He made starts at first. It's very Ty Francy uh, with that. Uh, but that that's kind of the comp I see in terms of if it all works out having that kind of production because he has the hit tool, the track record now, and I mean, the power to go with it. I I could see that kind of production. What are your thoughts on comps in general? They kind of suck. So I've seen so many college basketball guys compared to Kevin Garnett, like every stretch big. Every lefty is Manu Ginobili. Right. I mean, let's see. Recently, the Kevin Garnett's have been – Isaiah or uh, Evan Mobley, Jaron Jackson. Um, how about uh, Wendell Carter? How about Scal Labissiere? I don't think of any of those guys like K- KG. 
Right. But, but that's, that's every like Kevin Garnett comp that I've seen. It's pretty much every big that can run the floor and shoot a little bit from mid range is Kevin Garnett. I think comps in basketball are even worse because baseball it's, it, it at least gives you an idea of production. Yeah. Right. Because basketball, there's just so much more that goes into it and so much more nuance to it. Like baseball, at least, you're like, oh, Ty France, so he's going to hit for some average, he's going to hit for some power, and he, he's got some defensive limitations. Like, that's kind of what I'm looking at. Uh, basketball comps are brutal. Football comps are brutal. Uh, baseball comps kind of suck. I, people ask for them. Peter loves them. Peter always tries to get the comps out of me, and I'm like, dude, I don't have one for this guy. Uh, but every once in a while, something kind of evokes in me, and I'm like, ah, this guy reminds me of this guy. But I don't yeah. like forcing the comps. I think forcing them is a, is ridiculous. I understand. Uh, yeah, that's my thoughts on that. Fair. Another guy who I, I have one concern, and, and I'm curious what you think about this, but this is the other piece in the Barrios deal. Simeon Woods Richardson. And you can look at the numbers, and they don't look great in double A. But he also was back and forth, spent some time pitching for Team USA. And then he was also the youngest player in double A, in all of double A. So to be a pitcher as the youngest player in all of double A, get traded, and pitch in Team USA. Talk about a haphazard year. It was that for Simeon Woods Richardson. I thought he showed some good things, showed some ability to get some swing and miss. Uh, has a disappearing changeup, but the fastball well was down. Jack, I watched his last start. A lot of eighty nines, like that's that's alarming. Eighty nine, like doesn't fly anymore. Like that can't really fly. He's hard. He's he's really hard because at his best, you see. You know, for me, at least, I saw even if this doesn't work out as a two or three, he could be the best, like, mid-reliever in the game. You know, like, he could be a setup guy. Like, that's the type of arsenal that he has. But the way that he can command several pitches and the command of his changeup, which is the weirdest, it's crazy. Like, you know, when you see that type of command of a changeup, you say you have to be a starting pitcher. You have to. And 89, I mean, if you're not a starting pitcher, you're not making it in any bullpen in Major League Baseball. So he's got to get that velo back up to 95, which we know where it can be. We have no idea what 2021 was like on the heels of 2020, right? And we saw a lot of velo dips there because there were a lot of people that just kind of tired too quickly. And I don't know. I hold out hope that Simeon Woods Richardson can end up being the three for the twins in about three years, but he's been the youngest guy at every stop. Like you mentioned, yeah, he's I mean, 21, he's a baby. He's 21. And that's, what's really important is, is, and I think this was a weird year. I guarantee he's getting after it right now, this off season. But like you said, he is the unteachable thing. I mean, and I guess it's somewhat teachable, but it's clearly very difficult to teach change up feel is so hard to teach. And this changeup, I'm going to pull out another comp. Uh, the way he throws it and the like the way he – because he hides the ball really well and it's straight over the top and it has that fade. It's a little Ian Anderson-esque with the changeup. Yeah. That's a good comp. Yeah. And that's one of the best changeups in baseball. Yeah. I mean, like, and this is – we're talking about, like, the novice stage here, right? He's a 21-year-old guy. And, and Ian Anderson's changeup wasn't this good at this stage, right? Like, he was a power pitcher at first with, with a breaking ball that was, like, still trying to figure out who he wanted to be. 
and then really developed that deception and the changeup and the fastball command. Uh, 21 years old, Simeon Woods Richardson, I think with that changeup, is in really good shape. He just needs more separation. I trust a 6'3", 210-pound athletic pitcher in today's world to be able to gain some velo. Everybody can gain velo nowadays. I like it. I really think that that's one of the more easy things to do. One of the hardest things to do as a pitcher is develop a feel for a changeup. And that thing is nasty, man. Like it looks, it's got that like airbender quality to it. Spread the gospel in high school baseball. I mean, if you are a high school baseball pitcher, the way you know if you're good or not is if you can throw your changeup for strikes. Yeah, that's it. That's it. Change up command is the tell all between a really good high school pitcher and a not really good high school pitcher. No, I'll say this for, for like the, I'm sure there's plenty of high school baseball players who listen to this. Um, and you know, it's, it's something that you don't really think about because when you're in high school in the perfect game showcase world, you think you want to gas guy. It's all fastball velocity. And, and don't get me wrong. Like that velo is great. It's hard to hit, especially in high school, but a, a store, like something that I can kind of draw from is, from our high school team. And even for like uh, me personally as a lefty, but also with some of our most talented hitters that, you know, we're comf- more comfortable against 90, 92, 93, like pro guys. Now uh, there was one school Cardinal Gibbons. They had a kid that threw 93, 94, big, big dude committed to Ford Atlantic. Then they had another guy uncommitted ended up walking on at UCF was 81 to 83 with a spectacular changeup and just commanded both pitches. And we would pray every time we faced them that we'd get the 93 guy every time. And, and I think that kind of speaks volumes. Obviously when you're, when you're thinking about going to the big leagues, you got to be that 93 guy right. but in terms of just being a successful pitcher at a young age and knowing that the VLO can develop, it's better to be that, that pitcher. I mean, we were praying for 93 and I think that kind of puts it in perspective there. Look at us. Look at us being uh, being teachers. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Come on. High school kids, dot it up, figure out the change up, and it's over. It's Boom. Over. It's Boom. Over. Let's go through. Uh, that was five. Yeah, Simeon? That was, that was four. We can start flying. Oh, so, let's, let's go five because I love five. You love five? Five is Joe Ryan. Joe Ryan recently acquired – and this was an important talking point for me in the article I just wrote on the twins is the fact that they targeted Joe Ryan kind of tells me that, you know, they're looking at next year. Like they're looking at wanting to compete sooner rather than later. They could have acquired some lottery ticket prospects from the Rays. They acquired two 40 man arms, knowing that they're going to get a little bit more quality because the Rays needed to get rid of that 40 man log jam. And Joe Ryan was great, was, was great in his big league debut I think this guy's for real. It was more, I don't think the Rays wanted to deal him. It was just one of those circumstances where they'd rather deal him off the 40 man than one of their other prospects. And I, I bet it was somewhat reluctant, but they got Nelson Cruz, you know? So I, I, I really like Joe Ryan. So this guy uh, in AAA in 2021 had a whip under 0.8. It was 0. 0.788. He had a 3-4-1 ERA in 66 innings. He struck out 92 guys. I mean, this guy's strikeouts per nine. If you look at 2021 in AAA, 12 and a half strikeouts per nine. In 2019, with low A Bowling Green, started six games, 
but in 27 and two thirds, he struck out 47 guys in a high a in 2019 in 82 and two thirds. He struck out 112 guys. That's North of 12 strikeouts per nine. And then he made three starts in double a in 2019, 13 and a third innings, 24 strikeouts. That's 16 strikeouts per night. This guy, like the swing and miss shit that he has is unlike many pitchers in minor league baseball, if any starters. He might be the best swing and miss starter in minor league baseball. He made his debut late in the 2021 season. He's not going back, everybody. Joe Ryan is a Minnesota twin for the foreseeable future, and he may not go back to AAA St. Paul. He's not. He's not unless it's for a rehab start, God forbid. I mean, like, he, he he was so ready. And I think he had one blow-up start, too, and then really, like, adjusted and, and was great. That The crazy thing is, is the fastball is 91-93, but he has this slingshot about him where he, he reaches back with the arm really well and hides it, and it just explodes out of his hand, has life to it, he commands it. And then the big thing that guys are really focusing on on the mound, too, is, is a low vertical attack angle. So basically, the lower you release it, uh, you know, the more it kind of is just deceptive and has life up in the zone, right? You're trying to limit that vertical drop. So if you release it a little bit lower, it has more of that life. He gets a low vertical release angle and also hides the ball well. That's why that fastball plays up so much. And then we talk about tunneling all the time. The slider works insanely well off of that tunneled fastball, tunneling with that fastball. And I mean, look, this year, 588 OPS against the fastball, 500 OPS against the slider. Nobody got a hit against his curveball that he threw 8% of the time. And the changeup is still a work in progress. So that's the one thing I'm watching moving forward is what is that third speed that you're developing? You threw the changeup 10% of the time. You threw the curveball 8% of the time. This was in the big leagues. What what are you going to do in terms of finding that third speed? Which pitch are you more confident in? I'd like to see the changeup given how good his fastball is and how those pitches can play off of each other. Uh, but, you know, worst case scenario, he goes to the curveball. That's okay. It gives him a third speed. Uh, but that's what I'm kind of watching moving forward here is – can that change up be competitive? Because that was the one pitch that got hit a little bit, even in the minors too, uh, compared to some of his other offerings. Yeah. Change up takes him over the top, right? But the curveball, like curveball can make him really good. Change up can make him great. If he adds both, he can be amazing. That's my thought on Joe Ryan. Fair. hundred percent, hundred percent. And I think what we agree on is, you know, this is a really starving team for pitching much needed acquisition who is going to slide right into the rotation. Next and he's a guy that they can't screw up because the Rays already taught him how to do the stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Just, you just don't do whatever they're telling you in Minnesota and just keep remembering the stuff. The Rays told you and you're good. Right. It's like whatever your pitching coach says, you know, you can come back and say, well, they told me this in Tampa. And if I'm the, if I'm the twins pitching coach, I'm saying, you know, uh, what? All right. yeah, screw it. Just keep doing uh, that. <laughs> because it, it's weird, man. They're, they don't really develop pitching that well. Like they, no. they really don't. And they really go after risky guys. That being said, there is one guy that's next that is actually not as risky. Uh, and I also think is a good, like kind of that Joe Ryan profile. And it's Josh Winder, who was like the one guy that I know you were less familiar with on this, on this list. But Josh Winder had a really solid year, really good command fastball that actually can touch the mid nineties. And 
I know like baseball America is super high on him. This is another six foot five guy. He's older at 25 years old, which is part of the reason why we don't see him get a little bit more love in the prospect rankings, but six, five with fantastic command and a fastball that sits more in the 95 range can touch 97. This is an interesting dude. And he's got a pretty good balance of pitches and a good feel for a changeup. So it's four seamer uh, slider, a little bit of a curveball mixed in there. And then the changeup is that real distinct third pitch with pretty solid command from a six, five dude with a pretty low effort delivery. So it looks like we're looking at another three or four guy in a rotation. So that's another really important dude that I think we'll see up next year. I like that. Again, I, I haven't seen really anything on Josh Winder, but I trust you with the, with the big righties. And if you have command, if you have repeatable delivery uh, from the right side and you're a big guy, like he is, I mean, sign me up for you being a four. Sign me up for you just starting an unassuming Tuesday night against the Orioles. Yeah, and here's a little bit uh, to wrap up real quick on him. Only 1.6 walks per nine innings. I mean, only a 4.7% walk rate, 29% K rate. And that's between double and triple. So, I mean, this is a guy that, you know, that that doesn't always translate to the majors, right? Because guys can, can hit stuff a little bit better. We kind of saw that with Glenn Otto. Uh, when he was traded over to Texas. Uh, but I, I think that this is a guy who should be safely in the back end of a rotation. And another solid depth piece that you can have there that is controllable for the for the future. And that's why I'm like, okay, the the reason why the Twins aren't doing what you know everybody wants them to do is that they want to see what they've got here with these guys. If these guys slot in at three, four, five, now they know, oh, we only need to go get one ace. But if these guys really struggle, then it's like, okay, well, why are we going to go spend for one pitcher when we need to, to move a mountain right now? Right. Uh, so that's why I think we're kind of seeing them in a bit of a holding pattern. And I think it's okay to wait and assess for, for 2023, I guess, and let this year play out. Uh, but there's some interesting arms that are going to get an opportunity. And there's a few more arms that we still got to talk about. This is a guy that I know you, you wanted to talk about is Joan Duran. And Duran missed a lot of the year with an elbow strain. Probably the best stuff in the system. Not probably, definitely the best stuff in the system. Yeah. Uh, but he, he comes with a lot of question marks, right? He comes with a lot of question marks. The, the question marks are, um, can the command be there? Can the curveball get better? Can, can the breaking ball get better? Um, and, and what I like about Duran is he, he has things that you cannot teach. 6'5", 230 cannot be taught. 100 cannot be taught consistent 100 cannot be taught and then he's got this tumbling um like sinker type pitch at 95 like he's got this this 95 mile an hour splitter type moving pitch that complements 100 i mean if you're coming at me with 195 i'm pooping myself if i'm in the batter's box so he's got the shit myself stuff he's just gotta not throw it all over the place and if he can add a breaking ball, I mean, this guy, like he might have Freddie Peralta type potential there. I, I like that. I like that because, I mean, the, there's there's a lot working for him. I mean, guys could not hit him in 2019. He was racking up the case. Yes, there were some walks. And I think there's, there's a fair amount of reliever risk here, right? But you have a, an electric fastball that routinely hits the triple digits. You've got this freak splitter thing like you said that's in the low 90s that's just it's like a split fastball it's not a changeup. no it's like somehow it's almost like just diving on you quick it's stupid yeah and then you know he mixes in a breaking ball this guy's got crazy stuff and not to mention he's six five two 
They, they've got an all, you know, big, you know, I, I, they could play basketball, right? Like they've got a power five starting lineup here with some of these dudes. And Bailey Ober at the, in the big leagues, the guy's 6'9". He's, he's jumping full, tip. They've got a full lineup. They've got a full lineup. So, you know, I, I like I like what they're building here with the upside, but, you know, this is a little bit more of a risky play with, with John Duran. But if he's healthy, still just 23 years old, all the upside in the world. I, I'm excited to kind of see how, how he looks next year, was able to avoid elbow surgery, more of the elbow strain. Uh, so we'll have to kind of see how he continues to develop. But I would say as much upside as anybody, right? Well, to wrap up on him, what would you bet on uh, in terms of where he would end up? I'd bet on um I'd bet on the K's per nine being right around 10, 10 and a half. Um, you know, what's the walk rate gonna look like? That has yet as to a be reliever seen. or a starter? As a starter, I, I see him as a starter and I see him really struggling. Like I see him getting to a hundred pitches with one out in the top of the fifth often in, in the yep. beginnings of Correct. his career. Correct. You know what I mean? So like totally agree. that's that's the type of, of guy I see where it's it's super exciting stuff, but all of a sudden you're going to look up and he's at 80 pitches in the third yeah. inning and you're an hour and a half into the game. Yeah. But it's a human rain delay. He's going to be five innings, like six scattered hits, eight K's four walks. And you're like, how did he not give up a run? Right. <laughs> right. Like I had to watch so many of those starts and Dude. that's how Trevor Rogers was when he first came up. You know, yeah. Him. Yeah. No, I mean, like he's going to be, I think he's going to be frustrating. I think he's going to frustrate a lot of twins fans knowing the possibility of what he could do. But the reality is Freddie Peralta frustrated a lot of Brewers fans. And then he was the golden boy of batting average against. And I think that's what Joan Duran can do. Yep. Absolutely. We got um, eight, nine, 10 real quick. Yeah. Eight. This is, this is, a, you know, kind of a fall from grace. I mean, it's not over for him. He's still young, former number one overall pick. And I see him ranked high. I don't think anybody knows really what to do with him, frankly. Uh, but Royce Lewis, Royce Lewis comes in at number eight, former top prospect in baseball, uh, or one of the top prospects in baseball, former number one overall pick, has shown flashes. He's a freak show of an athlete, uh, probably could play some good defense at shortstop if he develops. He's got a great arm, but the actions are a little inconsistent. He's got power. He can't hit. Like that's, that's a big part of the problem. And he has a leg kick that rivals the Rockettes and huh. it just, he, he, it just is disruptive to his swing. Wow. At the Moulin I just, Rouge. I just don't think he can make it happen with that swing. Uh, and also he tore his ACL last year. Yeah. So he just can't stay on the field. That's, that's the problem with Royce Lewis right now. I I'm not saying when he comes back, he's going to be, you know, gangbusters, let's go get him in the bigs right now. That's not who Royce Lewis is. I don't think he's as talented as a lot of other guys in this system, but he and Mickey Moniak are not the same. No, Royce no, Lewis, exactly. right? Like Royce Lewis is just a better baseball player than Mickey Moniak is. Like the Phillies missed with Moniak. The Twins, if Royce Lewis wasn't hurt, I don't know if we're saying they missed. It feels a lot like Arizona going with Dansby Swanson. And if Dansby spent his career with Arizona, you know, they're saying, yeah, he didn't miss, but could have gotten better. I think that's the conversation the Twins are going to end up having about Royce Lewis. And I think with the right development, too. Oh, sorry to cut you off. You're good. I was just saying, like, with the right development, he could be hitting better. I mean, he's still making, as of the last time I saw him, still making the same mistakes and, and disruptions to his swing. It's hard when you don't have when you don't have the time, when you don't have the games on the field to get into a rhythm to try and change something. Yeah. 
right? Like he's so focused on not getting hurt again that he's not really focused on the on-field thing. He's just focused about staying on the field. If he can stay on the field, I think he makes some corrections. I think he can be, I don't want to say the shortstop for the Minnesota Twins. I think he can be the third middle infielder for the Minnesota Twins. And let me let me ask you a question though. If he does, if he did end up being the shortstop of the future for the Minnesota Twins, would you be surprised? No, I wouldn't. That's the thing. Neither would I. Like I, I could see a world where it all clicks. He's still 22, and not like 22 turning 23 in in a day. He's 22 right in the middle, like 22. Yeah. So he's not even going to be 20. He'll still be 22 when the season starts, and I mean that's still extremely young. He's shown flashes including in the Arizona Fall League where he won the MVP. So that's why I really struggle in where to rank this guy. Ultimately, you know, some of the defensive limitations, if he comes out and his swing is toned down and it's looking better, then we've got a, a whole different conversation here because my big thing is he's already got such easy explosion to him. He doesn't need this big light kick. He doesn't need all of this loud movement. All he needs is pick it up, put it down, and throw your hands at the ball. He's that kind of twitchy freak. Uh, that doesn't need all of that. And I'm honestly impressed that he's only struck out. He only struck out about 22% of the time in double A in 2019 with all of that extraneous movement. It tells me that if, if he actually helps himself a little bit, he's got a ton of potential. I'm not giving up on him. I'm putting him at eight just because I think it's just too difficult to put him ahead of these guys that pitched last year, had success and are close to the big leagues. But this is a guy I'm watching closely and I'm, I'm ready to bump him back up. This isn't me saying Royce Lewis is done. Right. Mickey Moniak having it all work out, like you said, I think is a really good uh, analogy. All of it clicking for Mickey Moniak still isn't even a top prospect for me from what we've seen at this point. Right. Right. I got, I watched him take batting practice uh, when, I, when we were credentialed at the Mets game. And I was watching, I was like, are they, I, I swear, I feel really bad. But I was like, are they just having like one of the kids, you know, one of the bat boys like take some hacks or did some kid win like a, an auction item or something? Like I did not think it was a major league baseball player taking BP. I was shocked. God. Uh, so that if I saw Royce Lewis hitting in BP, I would assume he was a big leaguer, you know, if I didn't know who he was. And I think that's kind of thing difference there. Yeah, I hear you on that. Um, yeah, I guess my final thought on Royce Lewis is I, I hope for his sake that he's just healthy because he might be fun. Then going in to number nine here after Royce Lewis and, uh, you know, this is still some intrigue in the back end, a guy that they just drafted. And I think I'm a little bit lower on him just because I didn't like him out of the draft. Chase Petty, Chase Petty's another guy, big time stuff, but like maximum effort. And I'm not sure what kind of command he's going to have. So a little bit surprised by this pick, especially given the twins, pitching situation and volatility in their system. Uh, Petty, if he puts it together, it could be nasty, but it, I don't like drafting a high school arm that already has reliever risk. That's not really my, uh, my MO there. If I'm, if I'm in the front office. Yeah. So Chase Petty, uh, was he Bergen Catholic? Does that sound right? Is that, I think so. I think so. He was the first Jersey right-hander taking a long time. And I mean, he and he and Jack Leiter threw together all the time. Mainland regional high school. Okay. Okay. Lighter was Bergen Catholic. I want to say he was uh, Del Barton. Oh, he was Del Barton. Yeah, that's right. Okay. Um, with so, Volpe. What? With Anthony Volpe. Oh, that's right. Not a yeah. Bear. So it, it doesn't matter what high school Chase Petty went to in the state of New Jersey. All that matters is Chase Petty threw with Jack Lighter. They've got 
similar high effort deliveries, although lighters is a lot easier than petties. Um, but hearing the pop, like watching those videos at the beginning of COVID with petty and lighter throwing bullpens together and just hearing the pop of the fastball in those videos was like, wow, both these dudes are different and I'm taking lighter 11 times out of 10. I mean, he's, yeah. he's way better. Uh, but petty, I listen, he's six one one ninety, and he throws one Oh one when he wants Hey, that I, that's unique. What, what worries me is how this stuff all gels together. And if he's a guy that can throw on a big league uniform, you know, step up against Eloy Jimenez and throw a first pitch breaking ball for a strike and then nibble for a little bit. I don't know if he's got the nibble in him and we won't know until he gets to the bigs because New Jersey high school baseball, spoiler alert, not that good if you're not, not one of the best. Not great. And, you know, you can get talent anywhere. Uh, but, you know, the, the thing with me is I always get nervous when I see these major fastball dudes out of high school. A lot of them just don't even have any ability with, with the secondary stuff. I always think about Tyler Kolick. Yeah. And, and I'm just like, ugh. You know, and it's kind of similar. It evokes a little bit of similarity. I know Kolick's a bigger body guy. Uh, Chase Petty gets really high grades on the slider. I just think that this guy's going to be like a lights out closer potentially. And I guess if you end up getting a, a really good big league closer out of your first round pick, you're never going to say that was a bad pick. Uh, it's just, I, I look at the fastball slider combination. I like it. I see the effort in the delivery. I see some inconsistency with this command. I don't have a ton of confidence in the third pitch. And I'm like, okay, this guy has a, re- a reliever profile, but he's also, he was born in 2003. Uh, so, you know, there's plenty of time to figure it out and I'm not going to limit him, but I'm going to need to see a bit more before I'm putting him ahead of some of these other guys, I think. And I'm curious what you think about where he was ranked here. I, I think it was right. I, I don't think that I was not ready to buy the hype for him to be six on this list. Yeah. Fair. I also don't think that it's fair to keep 101 out of the top 10. No, of course. Of course. So I think I think eight or nine was perfect here. And I agree going with Royce Lewis ahead of Chase Petty. I think that's totally fair. Yeah. Yeah, it gets tough at these points. And then number 10, last guy here in the most, I would say, positive way possible. Freak show on the mound. Absolute freak show. Crazy move, like like some crazy herky-jerky stuff. But he is hard to hit. It's Matt Candorino. And uh, what do you got on Matt Candorino? Because I, I was just looking at the slider. I think he had a two something OP, like a 200 OPS against it <laughs> this past year. And it's got to be just because of that weird hesitation and all that stuff he's got going on in his delivery that clearly throws hitters off. Yeah. He's kind of a bowling ball too. Um, he's, he's shorter. I he's like six, one, six, two, but he's North of two twenty. I mean, he, he kind of has this sturdy look and with him, I mean, he is like college arm, right? Went to Rice, and this guy has a four-pitch mix that he can just kind of pound. Like, you can pop the glove with all four pitches, and he can get through four quick innings. I like that. What I don't necessarily like is the lack of wow factor because he's 94 on the best day. Like, usually he's 92, 93, and he's got – you know, like this, this good slider and then a curveball that looks pretty similar to the slider. So yes, like he can pound constantly and he's got this funky delivery, but I just don't think that he's one of those guys that, that you can look at and say, 
he looks like he can go six no hit on the right day. Exactly. And I think that's that's the the limitation. And I think that built-in deception, that built-in hesitation is him kind of saying, like, I got to do some extraneous stuff to get some swings and misses, right? <laughs> like, this is something that he's just not going to be able to get those natural swings and misses. So he added this hesitation. There's a little bit of effort in the delivery. Uh, there's I'm surprised his command is as good as it is with, with the hesitation. I see, I see kind of a swing man here. Uh, you know, I was hesitant to even put him at 10. I just, I, I saw the success. Uh, the pitch profiles are interesting. I'm looking at some of the other guys. Like I, I can't put Sabato in there after the year he had. I, I can't put Keani Kovaco up there after the year he had. I mean, he was miserable. Uh, Urbina wasn't good. I mean, it was a down year for a lot of prospects in this system. And, you know, I was like, this guy's been throwing well. He hasn't stayed on the field quite enough. Uh, but there's enough there for me to say this guy is going to have some sort of big league impact, right? Like this guy, you can, you see a big league arm here, right? Like at the worst case, you see a, a middle reliever that that's going to hang around the league for a while. And the best case, I think you see a back end of the rotation arm. Yeah, I think so. Um, I think that he could absolutely turn into the guy that, you know, bounces up and down for two years to be totally honest, like 2022 back half of 2022. And then, you know, front half of 2023, he could be the guy that, you know, is constantly getting promoted and recalled and promoted and recalled. And then once oh, we he have has a double header today, yeah, bring up Canarino, right? Like Canarino, he might be the bridge man. You know, if, yeah. if you don't want to go to true starters, you know, maybe you go Canarino to start game two because he, he can get ready like a reliever, but he can throw four innings. I could see that being Canarino's job and then deciding whether he is that multi-inning reliever or your fifth starter going forward. Before we wrap Two more guys that I want to mention. One quick thought on Sabato, because if he corrects, Sabato can be the first baseman of the future for the Minnesota Twins. Yeah. I think Sabato's got 35 homer potential. Dude, that was one that I, I, I really uh, – that was probably one of the only guys that I felt like I really missed on off of that draft uh, because I, I really thought he was a safe bet. And it's not to say that he's not. He just something was off for him. What's interesting with Sabato is that he actually didn't have any college at bats. <laughs> like, I think he only had like there's a, it's a really low number in terms of how many games he played at UNC, given all the circumstances. He's got crazy power, no movement, and I feel like he's got so much time to decide. I was expecting him to kind of roll in and have success. Clearly, that didn't happen. But he's still 22. Not a lot of ABs under his belt. I think this guy could easily figure it out. And yeah, once he figures it out, it, it, there's no in-between. He's got 35 plus in the tank. Uh, there's no in-between in terms of what he's going to do for you power-wise. Uh, so it's still a name to watch. Yeah. Without a doubt. Like this is a name that we're closely watching going into next year. Two more. Matt Walner, 6'5", 220. Guy can hit it. Guy can absolutely hit it. He's got defensive concerns galore because he's kind of immobile. But if he turned out to be a DH, I mean, and he filled out a little bit, Matt Walner's got the makings of just a pure hitter and a pure swinger. And then Spencer Steer, another yes. guy. Yes, I'm a big Steer guy. Say. OBP machine, Spencer Steer. Dude, I, I'm there's there is a non-zero chance that I swap out Steer uh, before I go to bed tonight for like if it if it sits in my mind long enough, I might swap Steer into ten. 
Yeah, I like That's steer. how much I like the changes that Steer made. Uh, another guy who really emphasized, I wonder if Steer and, Miranda, uh, and Miranda worked together because they both emphasized that lower half and both saw a major power output. The difference with Steer is he's a really good athlete. Like he, he can move pretty well. Uh, he, he's an above average runner. I, I like Steer a lot. And another guy, three-year guy at the University of Oregon, you know, so I, I like the prowess. I like the pedigree. And clearly he figured it out to a degree. I'm, I'm very interested in following Spencer Steer. And I like what I saw from him. One other name that, you know, was not quite what I thought he would be, but I'm another guy I'm still interested in watching moving into next year. I saw him in the Cape and liked what I saw. Uh, he was a Brewster guy, Alaric Solari. Uh, Solari can swing it a little bit, Tennessee guy, uh, but, you know, just did not quite have the year I was expecting, uh, but also a big adjustment from him. I'm interested to see what he does. He was a second round pick in 2020. And then Drew Strotman, another piece that came over with Joe Ryan in that trade for Nelson Cruz. Strotman has really good stuff, but just fell flat uh, after the trade, which is really weird, right? Listen to this as we wrap up. And this kind of tells you the Rays effect. Maybe he was listening to the Twins. 58 innings with the Rays in AAA, 339 ERA, and a 1.42 whip. So not great. He was walking a lot of guys, but still 339 ERA. Then he goes to AAA with his new ball club in Minnesota. 733 ERA in 54 innings, same sample size, and a 1.76 whip. I don't know what happened between Tampa and Minnesota, but it got ugly quick. Strotman does have great stuff though. And, and appears to be a um, probably a bullpen guy for me. Look, I don't like to bash. <laughs> I don't like to bash other outlets, but it's really funny. It's something that really stood out to me. I, I'll go to MLB pipeline just to get the, to double check the essential measurables, right? Like the height, weight, whatever. And Drew Strotman who walked 63 guys in 112 innings. They gave him a 60 on his command. Oh, that's not true. Yeah, it's just objectively not true. So that's why I come to just baseball and get the uh, get the prospect grades over here. Bada bing. But, uh, this was fun, man. And real quick, a little bit of a programming note. By the time people are listening to this, tomorrow, Jesus Lazardo, Marlins left-handed pitcher, will be joining the show. Peter and I will be talking to him. Very excited to talk to Jesus. He's got some of the best stuff in the game as a lefty. And, you know, he's one little tweak away from being ridiculous. Uh, so I'm really excited to talk to him. And this might be the last episode before we launched the call-up. I made my formal, uh, I guess, step-away message, the personal news one. Yeah, with the squigglies. Yeah, personal news. And... You know, I'm really excited. We're probably about a week out from the launch of the call-up, and uh, I hope uh, you don't get too much of us here and you want a little bit more and come join me over to get really nerdy about prospects. And I hope you enjoy these Wednesday episodes because that's what it's going to be over there. And I can promise some really big-time prospect interviews on the way. Uh, But, Jack, I can always count on you to help me with the uh, prospect rundowns. Any final thoughts on the Twins system and the Twins future? Because we did talk about that in the last episode, and, and you were still in Cabo. Yeah, Twins future, not sexy, but not terrible. You know, the Twins are not a team that you're going to get up for, but the Twins are a team that 
aren't going to be the bottom dwellers of the AL Central, which looks good very soon, right? With Kansas City, if everything goes right. With Detroit, if everything goes right, obviously. With Cleveland, if everything goes right. I mean, the AL Central has the makings of being the best division in baseball in two, three years, and the Twins are not going to be out of it. Yep, I, I think that's a really good take. And I think they're a little bit of a sleeping giant. That, I mean, that division it is. Where yeah. You've got a lot of teams on the up and up. And even the Twins, I think, are going to be better than people think they are. And I think almost every team in that division is going to be better than people think they are. So it should be fun to watch next year. So we'll be back at it tomorrow with you and Jesus Lizardo. And then Jack is finally back in the fold again. So he'll be back on his re- regular, regular scheduled programming. Uh, but glad to have you back. And uh, Jack, we uh, we got a lot of nothing to talk about over the next few weeks. So I'm glad you're back here and it's going to be fun. Also, I, I got an, I got a fun week. Another programming note, Boog Shambi will be on Outside the Box with Jeff Conine in the next week. Uh, so subscribe to Outside the Box with Jeff Conine because we post every couple of weeks. It's, Jeff's a busy guy, former big leaguer, college coach. We got to kind of work around it. So just yeah. subscribe so you know when the episodes are live because you're going to look down and be like, oh, they had Jason Stark. Oh, they had Boog Shambi. I can't take any credit for that. It's obviously Jeff, but subscribe because you never right. know who's going to pop up with a sick interview. Uh, right. So definitely do that. All the links you need are in the description, including the link to the article with the full write-ups on the Minnesota Twins. Uh, you can follow Jack McMullen on Twitter at Jack underscore McMullen. Is it 11? 11. 11. Why 11? Uh, good number, man. I don't know. It's in the Twitter bio. Just go to the Twitter bio. Uh, good. All right. Good. Good number, I guess. All right. Well, you know where to find me and uh, we'll talk to you tomorrow with Jesus Lizardo. 